This is a Media Lab podcast. Welcome to Kyle and Dave versus the Machine. My name is Kyle. I'm just I'm just bored, Kyle. <laughs> I'm just bored. And I'm the Machine. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just happens to be 1982 this season. The Machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to. Although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Airplane 2 the sequel. This holiday season, let Paramount Pictures take you for the ride of your life with Airplane 2, the sequel. Get your ticket for the funniest movie of the year, Airplane 2, the sequel. I got smoking, non-smoking, first class, coach, economy, by the aisle, by the window. Airplane 2, the sequel, reunites old friends. Ted? the strangest feeling we've been through this exact same thing before except this time i know exactly what i'm doing elaine well my goodness scraps is a boy dog isn't he airplane to of course, a big thank you to our patrons over on Patreon. Their contributions help us continue the show since, you know, the machine doesn't help us pay for these movies. Plus, each month we do a bonus episode over there. This month it is the Abominable Dr. Fives. Now, before we get into talking about this week's film, we probably should just do a very brief advancement of the plot of our deep mm, and rich fiction, what? Dave. You recall... From a couple no. of weeks ago, after Not my boxing match with DDS, DDS, uh, and she whooped me good. That somehow that means that she has won. She has won oh, ownership right. of Kyle and Dave's okay. arcade Wonder Emporium. It's cold out here. It is cold out here on the streets, right? We've been kicked mm-hmm. out. We have no place to live. So we are now hitchhiking. We're hitchhiking somewhere. We're gonna get on the road. We're gonna move, move it and groove it. How how are you feeling? I don't know. It's 1982. I don't think people pick up Asian men on the street. Oof. Pause for laughter. Pause for <laughs> laughter. <laughs> they still don't. I don't know where to go from there, Dave. <laughs> you really brought the mood down. Uh, anyways, we still have our podcasting equipment, so we've set it up here in this nice and beautiful park. She was very kind to let us carry all this shit with us. I know. It's very nice. People are looking at it as weird because they've never seen such high-tech equipment <laughs> within 1982. Look like aliens. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It would help if you just put your clothes back on, but uh, <laughs> whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever uh, it takes. There's also some news stories I thought we should maybe just do kind of a quick roundup. Uh, news stories from 2022. Correct. From 2022, yes. the year yes. 2022. Which is important, 1982, because... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's relevant to some of the movies that we've been talking about here this season. First and foremost, I do want to call out the passing away of Olivia Newton-John of breast cancer. So that just happened here. When you're hearing this, at least, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about her tangentially because we discussed Grease 2 this year. Uh, she's not in Greece too, but she's in the far Thankfully. superior Greece. And she, we also talked about her because her song, 
Physical is the number one song of 1982. So she's in the zeitgeist. She's in the zeitgeist. Yeah, zeitgeist. Anything else you want to say about Olivia Newton-John? Uh, no, I don't know. She seems like a sweet lady, Mm -hmm. and she made a very popular song about getting her sex on. So (laughs) I think uh, she did a good. She did a good for the society. I wake up to it every morning, push play, I get physical, and then I start my day. Honestly, I you know it just came to me. What a fascinating uh, counterpoint to Death Wish 2, that the number one hit was physical. I don't know. There's something There's something there. There's something about that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's a tension. A tension. She does seem very sweet. There's been very kind messages being uh, broadcast around and little video clips of her being like like very super kind and stuff like that to mm-hmm. interviewers. She has a kind face. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to just blow past that because I think she is important to the year 1982 that we're talking about. Another person who also passed away is Nichelle Nichols, which is important for the movie we talked about last week. This happened after we recorded of uh, her. Uhura has passed away as well. Yes, too bad. I think, I mean, it's fairly obvious that the cast of the original Star Wars are all going to Star Trek. The cast of the original Star Trek are all going to uh, uh, find their end soon. They're all plenty old. I think William Shatner is 90. So, uh, the he fact is, that many of them are still with us is fascinating. There's, there's right? George Takei is still out there. George Takei yeah. is there. Um, gosh, the few of them are still around. There's a part of me that thinks, just because of how much he pissed off his castmates, I don't want to say outright hate. I don't want to use that word necessarily, but uh, some of them would. But I feel like William Shatner will be the last one. He'll survive them all just somehow. Just to be that yeah. guy. Talking about that, Mr. <laughs> Shatner did put his foot in it here okay. this week. Did yeah, you hear about this? Did you read about no, this? No, only from your text. So tell me what happened. He said he would never pick up an Asian man. Actually, <laughs> George has something to say about that. He does. Yeah. He does. Yeah. No, he was being interviewed and I almost fear to bring this up. It's almost my least favorite topic to bring up nowadays, like woke politics. Mostly because I think everyone uses that term wrong, but regardless. Fast forwarding through it, part of the thing that he said is that what I appreciated about the original Star Trek is is that it wasn't political. And everyone on the internet, at least from that point on, started to clown on him a little bit because it's like, you you were in the original Star Trek. What do you mean that it wasn't political when that was literally the express purpose of that show? I don't know. When you and uh, Ben were going off on that, I think that there are perspectives from the writing, from the fandom, and then from the actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he should be crucified for something like that. I thought you were going to say he says something hateful about Nichelle Nichols. No, uh, no, no. He was commenting that he played it as an action hero and he thinks that that's fine. You know, internet, fuck off. He's 90. <laughs> it's fucking Star Trek. Who cares? Get over it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not in the mood to hear about uh, whether Star Trek's apolitical or not i mean it was interesting when you guys were talking about it last time but i don't know man it's william shatner Uh, if you look at the way he portrays kirk he's not trying to make a political statement he's trying to just be a hero so but i think i think there's two different points we're bringing up here he may not have had a political point to kirk i personally truly don't understand how you could watch that show he doesn't watch his own shows. Maybe that's it. But to but, watch that show or even to read the scripts and be like, oh, this is just an adventure story. When it's pretty no, aggressively fandom. in your face, especially like the episodes where it's like literally black and white aliens are fighting with each other. <laughs> it is yeah, very yeah. clear what the subtext to those statements are. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't disagree with the reputation Star Trek has. I just think that people ought not to look at an actor who portrayed a major character in a show as being the story writer. True or having a, giving a shit about what the project was. There's, Picard didn't want to be on Star Trek, right? Yes, that's true. The, the, the problem is fans, guys. <laughs> the problem is fucking fans, man. It always is, Fan, isn't it? Fans is why Disney's fucking everything up. Because people have created a lore around all these big properties. Who gives it? We talked about this a little bit, maybe offline or on this episode. Who gives a shit where Han Solo comes from? It's not mm-hmm. important. But it is important to Comic-Con uh, going nerds. Mm-hmm. They, they love this shit. And they pay a lot of money for it, so... You know, I ought not to have a strong opinion about it, but uh, I don't care what he says about Star Trek. Well, uh, <laughs> thank thank you for your point of view here, Dave. Um, I wonder how much that'll get edited. <laughs> <laughs> none of that appeared in the episode. In fact, none of the first 10 minutes of this episode is going to be put into it. I was like, uh, I don't know. Another bit of classic banter between you two. I want to jump off a bridge. The only thing I'll agree with you on is the fact that actors are often the worst person to talk to about the yes. point of a piece of writing. It really is. It's it's so repeatedly over and over again. I have gone to certain like comic expos here in the city, like read uh, interviews. How often were people who are portrayed to be, you know, this character, um, whatever, have literally no understanding about the subtext or <laughs> what that character represents because it's just a job. And I get it. Yeah. I get it to a certain yeah. extent. Like they were hired, they're doing a job, they performed it, and then they go home without having any of the context or even really trying to conceptualize what the context of that character or what the wider story it is that's being told is. But uh, it's fascinating to me that, that it's just a repeated thing that happens over and over. There's a psychological fallacy about that, where we take someone who's good at one thing and think they're right, good at yeah. everything, right? I can't remember what it's called. We see that with sports heroes, movie celebrities. Um, it happens with people who are good looking too, to a, to a yeah, lesser extent, right? People. Like, oh, you're good looking, you must be a good person. Like, it just, There's that stat. Yeah, there's a stat. The CEOs tend to be white, over six feet tall, and have a certain timbre of voice. They have to have a deep voice. Mm-hmm. Now, so that has nothing to do with their intellectual capabilities, but we have these uh, biases. I don't know, Dave. I I hit all three of those, so I yeah, t- t- sure, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah. So like, you go to a comic convention not even like this is not you know we shouldn't call out just uh, comic nerds i think that any convention like people who worship athletes think that michael jordan is a good person michael jordan is the most corrupt piece of shit right he's an awful human being but those awful things made him the greatest basketball player arguably whoever lived at least in that generation i don't know what people are expecting you know this is admiral james t kirk uh, james tiberius kirk <laughs> he's not true. a human being <laughs> He's a name on a piece of paper. It's amazing, uh, you know, if actors have one talent that someone could take James Tiberius Kirk and make him famous. Mm-hmm. The character's pretty stupid if you think about it. So, yeah, that guy should not be a captain. I like his flying drop kicks. Um, okay, <laughs> how about this? Let's get into the history that we have with part of the movie that we're talking about here today. Specifically, this is a sequel. What is your history with the first airplane film? The first airplane film is. One of the great comedic, I don't know, satires, spoofs, mm-hmm. maybe ever made. Ever made is always hard with comedy because there are a lot of good comedies of this nature. But uh, I still remember many of the scenes. You and I both rewatched the first one in preparation for this one so that we understood how bad this was going to be. But um, those jokes, they're smart, they're quick. 
Uh, I forgot how much of them are adult in tone. Oh, yeah. uh, some of the scenes, like the disco dancing stuff, like they, they're permanently etched in my memory. And I watched it with my eight-year-old. And he, by the end, he was cackling because the jokes still reasonably hold up. There's going to be some references, you know, it's 1980 that yeah. we just don't do anymore. But man. Hilarious. Ronald Reagan uh, illusions that no one's going to probably know about anymore. But he, I would even go so far as to, well, there's one huge primary thing that's being made fun of, which is the airport series of movies. I forget how many. There's like four or five of them. I've only seen the first one, which is very clearly somewhat parodying it's within that movie. Nobody remembers the airport movies. Like literally no. nobody remembers the airport movies, even though they were like these huge things in the 70s and early 80s. And nominated for Best Picture. But then also, I mean, Saturday Night Fever is what the dance sequence is parodying too. Who remembers Saturday Night Fever outside of probably our generation being the last one that knows about it? Yeah, a little tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any wartime film, right? With mm-hmm. like PTSD stuff in a hospital. I mean, it's got, it touches a lot of fun Hollywood tropes. And it's, it's just slick. It's so well written. I, the way I remember it, so just, I guess I'm answering this in the wrong tense, but uh, I remembered it being very quick, smart, in- intellectual, but also uh, gross and mm-hmm. you know, low base. And rewatching it, it's exactly what I remember. It hasn't lost... It hasn't lost its tone. Whereas, what do we watch? Like Night Shift. Right. Some of the comedies we watch feel so dated. There's just something that hasn't aged well. Yeah. I, w- I would say that Airplane maybe has a bit of a datedness to it. But I think what, what makes it timeless for me is that exactly what you just keyed in on. The first Airplane movie, for as dumb, really, at the end of the day as it is, <laughs> is really smartly put together. Like it, yeah. There's a care and attention. Like The setup payoff is so well crafted that it's like... Yeah, this is so stupid, but it's so smart how stupid it is. Like, yeah, it's just so a really cool magic stupid. trick yeah. <laughs> that this that it goes through, which is why maybe it's been released by the time this episode goes live. But again, I keep mentioning how the sight and sound poll is being worked on. Every 10 years, they put out the polls. I know a bunch of online film critics have been filling theirs out and, and saying them in. And the unfortunate part, well, I say unfortunate part. This is me being up on my soapbox again. The unfortunate part is I know that the top 10 is basically going to be at least seven movies that I can tell you right now. Citizen Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's going to be Vertigo. There's going to be Citizen Kane. Probably Tokyo Story. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of those Maybe types of movies. Samurai. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which is like, for the most part, dark. for the most part, kind of sad, depressing <laughs> white men <laughs> movies. Which, again, I'm not saying that they're bad movies. That's all I'm saying. But you know what you won't find on the top 10? There'll be no animated movies. There'll be no horror movies. There'll be no comedies. So I always feel a little bit miffed at this because it's like, if we're going to give a list of the best movies of all time, why does that only be one kind of type of movie that gets Mm -hmm. gets shown over and over again? And I bring this up because if I were to be given a ballot, I think one of the top 10 spots would be Airplane. (laughs) Just to put it on there. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Put a comedy on there. Just to take a piss. Yeah. It would be interesting. I I wonder if it's partially because even in this like the what's the vector victor vector these are tropes that come from you know abbott costello or you know radio comedy so comedy has a way in particular of folding in on itself and making itself funny and relevant again so it's kind of hard actually to say that you know airplane is the greatest comedy of all time because there are so many you know timeless comedies from each generation and they all actually kind of mime each other drama is similar but you know there's only one citizen game <laughs> whether sure. people agree that it's the number one movie of all time 
it has a unique tone. Same with Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai has been remade so many times, right. but there's something about the way that that's shot that's so unique. Uh, Tokyo Story 2, we didn't necessarily enjoy it, but we could appreciate well, I liked what it. people- I think- I think somehow it's come across that we hated that movie when we both liked no, no. it. We just didn't think it was like of the best of all time. Yeah, yeah exactly. So like we weren't, we, we wouldn't put that in our top 10. No, no, no. But that somebody did is not a struggle to, to understand. understand I why. Mean, yeah, yeah. People could argue all they want and we'd be like, yeah, fine. That's your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but comedy's harder, I think. So maybe that's why. Animated, I agree with you, especially in the latest evolutions, really needs to get a bit of a push it doesn't it shouldn't be have its own s- section in the oscars like yeah they're just like movies man animated film like animated films it's not a genre i want to be very clear i'm not using animation as a genre but when you take a look at like yeah the films that are coming out of uh, japan or france or uh even america p- even in, like the pixar work. and some of the stuff that's going on there I, I don't really understand why there's not a bigger representation of that <laughs> within like the canonical like 100 best movies of all time it just seems like it's hard for it well, to I break think, through yeah like the first whatever that first generation of pixar films the, on metacritic or rotten tomatoes for example how many of them are 99s mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. 98s right and some of them do break the letterboxed uh, you know, yeah. 250 or whatever. But sight and sound, you also have to deal with the pretension of the members of, you know, the voting sure. public, et cetera, et cetera. I think a troll in Central Park is great. Besides Airplane, though, any other spoof movies that you remember being a fan of? I don't know, Naked Gun, mm-hmm. Hot Shots. Any of the scary movies? Did you do any of the scary movies? Uh, scary Movie 1, which is, and the one, actually, yeah, Scary Movie 1. I don't remember. There's too many. There's a lot of them. I think there's five, five or six. So the people behind this, the Zucker, Abrahams and Zucker, who did Airplane, did not come back for this movie. We'll talk about that in a Mm -hmm. moment. To do this movie, they go to TV and do Police Squad, which which then gets spun out to be the three Naked Gun movies, which they're a part of. And then they do Scary Movie 3 and 4. They do two in the middle. I can't remember. Is 3 the one where she does The Matrix? I can't remember. Don't I could not even tell you. I think I've only seen which the first scary movie, to be honest with you. I don't think I've seen any of the sequels. Regardless, I'm just saying that they have had their hand on a bunch of the different spoofs throughout the generations. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. came at it with Naked Gun first because my parents showed me all those movies. And I laughed. Oh I thought it was God. the funniest fucking thing in the world. So good. Especially that first one. First one still holds up, I think. If you want to see OJ before he murders <laughs> someone. I know. That is the really <laughs> weird thing. It's like, I remember when OJ was funny. He was actually funny in that movie. Until you get context and you're like, oh my God. Oh God. So then after that, my parents said, well, if you like this, you'll probably like Airplane. And so I remember watching Airplane at like 12 or something like that for the just very dying. first time and just dying of laughter. I thought it was like- Did again. you get the, the blowjob reference at 12? Yes, or? I did. Yeah, I totally understand what was going on there. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing about the original Airplane, one of the, my favorite things is that Robert Stack, who's in it, was the host of Unsolved Mysteries, right? So that's how oh, I that's knew right. him. Yeah. So when he shows up in that movie, I'm like, oh my God, Unsolved Mysteries guy. Love his voice, by the way. And yep. uh, scared the game. absolute living shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> Did you ever watch Unsolved Mysteries as a kid? Yes. Oh, yeah. God, I guess that terrified me. It terrified me as a kid. And yet I watched it every week. <laughs> that's... Uh... That's a true crime podcast, isn't it? It is. 100% it is. But they would do, they always had like the, they usually did like two or three stories in the hour. Yeah. Um, but I always remember they used to like, you would be like, yeah, true crime. Like this is like a horrific, terrible murder. One that was like a paranormal unexplained, like it was either aliens or ghosts or something like that. (laughs) 
And then very occasionally they would do, they would do like kind of a funny one. <laughs> uh, it was like X-Files that way. X-Files would do the same thing with their episodes where it's like, this is the paranormal one. This is like the very serious one. And then we're going to just do a comedy bit for this third episode. And then they would just like Take cycle the pressure through. off. Anyways, I just remember there was this one about aliens specifically that creeped me out to such a degree. And the theme music just like sent shivers up my spine, but I had to watch it. I had to watch mm. it every week. Anyways, remember, <laughs> remember Ruffet Stack literally just from that. Um, and then Hot Shots I got into yeah. after that. I'm trying to think there's another, isn't there another one that we're forgetting? Hot Shots? Like Robin Hood, Prince of Titans. Maybe. Prince I might be Titans thinking about like the Mel Brooks movies yeah. that we're getting. No, that's Mel Brooks. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, he was doing that and Dracula Dead and Loving It and all mm-hmm. those kinds of parodies in his mm-hmm. last bit of his career where he's directly referencing something else. Well, it seems like there was a big uh, thing in like the in 80s into the 90s it's for parodies. They're just not good. I think after yeah, Scary yeah. Movie, there was one. Well, it got run into the ground because there was like superhero movie and epic movie. and Yeah, yeah, that team. Whoever that makes that stuff. one. Which were like awful. The 300 they were just bad. And they're so bad. Yeah. I think that's when it went on a downturn because like this film, shit writing. And then it just turns you off the idea of a parody mm-hmm. because you're just like, well... This thing's like a parody of the parody. I guess we'll talk about that. Yeah. Bit, well, let's get into that then um, because we're basically getting into the discussion of the movie. So let's take a break. We'll thank some sponsors. And then when we return, we'll be talking more about Airplane 2, the sequel. Would you have had the the fish or the beef? Mm. Now, beef. Mm-hmm. But a year ago, I probably would have had the fish. And yeah. I'd have you been shitting sick? myself. You'd yeah. Sick. yeah. Now who's the idiot? carnivores unite i was on a plane on our honeymoon we were going to hong kong and bali and what did i eat i ate something made me very sick i think it had dairy in it but Mm. they didn't let me know remember when we went to redacted fast food restaurant and got (laughs) (laughs) terribly terribly sick yes yeah what 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 could it have even been we had different meals the fries maybe well there was literally someone who came in and coughed on all of the straws <laughs> so that's probably part of it i noticed the uh, one employee came out of the washroom i didn't hear any running water so uh... <laughs> <laughs> they dragged our food literally on the floor before they served it to us so i mean it was that i will say we've been to the, i've been to that establishment before and it's been fine that night in particular we saw there some was grosses. Yeah. Oh, dude. Like the employees were stressed out. There was an atmosphere of disease that night. Mm-hmm. We should have known better. Yeah. It really is the start of a horror movie when they're like, well, why would you go in there? And we were the people who went in there. <laughs> we stood in that. We had to wait to order too. <laughs> like 10 minutes we had to wait to order. Anyways. We were watching it all happen. We're like, oh, oh my God. I'm going to go for it anyways. What a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Listen, Colin Day vs. the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. This week, our episode is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Dave, you know about this? Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. You can use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. And you can find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. We need a newsletter. 
do we? <laughs> Who's going to write that newsletter, Dave? Uh, Someone's a little bit behind on our Patreon uh, write-ups. I just wrote, I wrote a few today. Oh, good. I wrote a few today. Yeah, they're not good. Yeah, they're not good. But uh, so go and support us on Patreon, everyone. Where you'll get <laughs> eh, they're all right. Nobody updates. nobody reads them. Uh, you know what? What was that comment on YouTube? We're just uh, speaking Wikipedia page. You know, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Which, to be uh, fair, is not too correct. far off in certain parts yeah, oh, of the podcast. Correct. I'm okay with that. I, I you know these comments expect that we have pride and self-respect <laughs> why hasn't someone taken time out of their life to write a detailed making of of airplane 2 the sequel that's what i'm asking I, will, I think this has to tie with some of the movies the least written up film <laughs> yeah, that we've no. had to there's <laughs> really nothing uh, we're so sidetracked on this thing all filler all filler mm -hmm. our second sponsor kyle if you let me read this ad copy my gosh it's park power in Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing and you can feel good knowing you are helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bill. Your utilities bills. Plural, plural. Learn more at parkpower.ca. I'm pretty sure I read that one. Dramatic last pause. Week. Dramatic yeah. pause. Mm -hmm. Let's go and make a difference ourselves, Dave, by talking yeah. about a spoof sequel. <laughs> All right. Well, we're back here. Dave, let's say this. Let's say that we have decided that we are going yes. on vacation together. Your wife and kid, not coming. It's just us two going on vacation. The old ball and chain. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's how you always talk about your wife and uh, like a 1950s stand up. And, um, you know, we're waiting. We're waiting in the airport terminal mm, airport and this and this young boy. Wow. Right. Dressed as a, his favorite gladiator comes up to Go us in a loincloth loin and a cloth. helmet or yeah, yeah, and a helmet okay. and his pith yeah. helmet or whatever they call those. Uh, no, there's that's a never mind. Anyways, he comes up to us. He's dressed as a gladiator. <laughs> Yes. And he has a copy on VHS of mm -hmm. Airplane 2, the sequel. And he's like, please, sirs, tell me what this movie is about. How would you, how would you describe what the plot of Airplane 2, the sequel is? There's no plot. Uh... <laughs> there really isn't. I would just be I, like, I, I mean, you're not just wrong. Just burn it. It's, yeah. It's garbage. But how would you describe what happens, I guess, inside the movie? Uh, are, yeah. Are we presuming that people know about Airplane? If they don't know about Airplane 1, I would say that this is a second telling of a flight gone wrong that's supposed to be funny and isn't. They're going to the moon? Where the are they moon. going to again? Right? Yeah, the They're moon. They're flying to the uh, moon, right? No, space flight. They don't have a destination, do they? But they land somewhere. Yeah, on the moon. That's where oh, they Kirk do land is, on the moon, right? but that's yeah. not where they're going to necessarily. Uh, no, because they have to. I never even thought about it. It's so dumb. It, to pull back the curtain only slightly in our deep and rich fiction, I watched this two and a half weeks ago, so I'm trying <laughs> desperately to remember <laughs> plot it's points much from this the same, movie. I watched it last night, and I've got the same number of facts mm -hmm. in my head as you do. Yeah. What did you think about the movie, Dave? Now my eyes still hurt from rolling so much. <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, I've got a. Uh, chest pain from sighing. I, I don't, it's just, uh, it was Was there awful. nothing that you enjoyed about it? You know, I think the problem is we both made, not a mistake, I think it's the right decision to watch Airplane. 
but it mm-hmm. highlights the fact that there's no writing in this, that they mm-hmm. just took it verbatim and changed words around, right? Like the over, Captain Over, what's the vector, Victor bit, which is so hilarious. They just replaced it with over and done. So it's like, right. uh, like why, why, why not try to put something fresh? And there's, yeah, we see that the original writers are not involved in this. I think my favorite part is when uh, William Shatner becomes part of it, frankly. <laughs> and he can go full ham. And he goes full ham and it actually kind of stirred my interest. Even though I knew it would be dumb, it reminded me of what I liked about the first one, which is just some energy and some kind of like freshness. I do always like seeing Lloyd Bridges in comedy. He's such a great physical distortion of his also faces. Also in Hot Shots, yeah. Yes. And then the rest of it's a mess. I mean, Beastmaster bad guys in this. So weird. Rip Why is Rip Torn? Yeah. yeah. Random. Um, that's really about it. The rest of it is, it's such a brutal rehash of everything the first movie tried to be. It's just like, it's hard, yeah, to, it's, hard to stomach. I mean, this is jumping way too far ahead and like almost like our rewriting class, but it's, you can, t- you can feel the rush nature of this specifically because the first film comes out in 1980. This comes out in 1982. None of the original creators are coming back. So this is a kind of a rush job. The weird thing about it, I also want to recognize that the first Airplane movie is a little bit of a lightning in a bottle moment. We'll talk about its like backstory here when we talk about our backstory. So they're trying to do a completely original script. We'll call it a script. But I feel that there are templates out there. There is the other airport movies. There's other disaster movies that had come through the 70s. I feel like there was enough there. That is yeah. ripe for satire or parody that you can jump into. And what they decided to do is let's just rehash all the jokes from the first one in a worse way, even though some of them, some same characters come back and uh, it just never coalesces to something that matters. I think that there needs to be some sort of more internal plot that they're trying to do, that they're trying to accomplish rather than just redoing the same movie again. I think that there are isolated moments that are good. Like you said, like the Shatner bit is. It's pretty decent. There's some other jokes that work for me. I would even go so far as to say this is me basically agreeing with Roger Ebert, who says as much in his review, where like the first, I don't know, five to ten minutes is actually pretty decent and then completely falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like there is the the whole like um, screening process. If you watch what's on the TV, it keeps oh, changing. The and that's kind of funny. Right, right, right. And they're right. letting people with bombs come by because they're looking at the hot babes. And there's yeah, people yeah. pushing the old lady out of the way because they're greeting them at the airport. Like that kind of stuff I'm I'm cool with. It's some funny stuff. Sonny Bono. There's some psych gags in the background as he's going through like the the shops here beforehand. So all of that setup stuff is like, okay, cool. We're, we're I'm in this. Set a tone. Mm-hmm. Setting a tone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh no, now we're just going to do the same stuff over and over and over and over, over again. Like verbatim. So, yeah. yeah. And that's the unfortunate part. It's like, well, if I wanted to see that, I'd watch the first movie. I don't need you to yes. do this again. Uh, yeah, this is pre-home rentals. So it did make some money. Mm-hmm. It's not like you could go and watch Airplane again. You had to go off your memory from two years ago. But, you know, we're just talking about a rewrite. Why not have made Airplane 2 the sequel on a boat? <laughs> you know, like, why are we on a plane again, except this time we're in space? It's just, it doesn't play well. And they reference, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey. I mean, that movie's pretty old by that point. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. It was a mess, right? And then on the flip side, they put an E.T. and Rocky three somehow in this thing. Well, it, and of course, it's because William Shatner's there. They do an Enterprise, a Star like Trek. a Star yes. Trek joke. So technically, they referenced three movies that came out of in 1982 same the same year. Yeah, they do a parody of old science fiction, of old airplane disaster films, of old war films. And then they threw in three bits 
for movies that were coming out either that had just come out or they knew they were in production. Right. I don't, you know, we don't know how writing actually works at this level, if they just cobble this piece of shit together in three weeks or, you know, if they had some inside information on Mm -hmm. how to leverage the joke, but I don't know. It's, it's just tiresome. I was very, very disengaged with it. Yeah. They do bring back the two leads. Yes. To come back, which I, I feel bad because this is literally the only thing I know these two people ever did. I know, oh, I think, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Ted uh, Robert Stryker. Hayes. Robert Hayes. He was on TV, I think. I don't know if Julie Haggerty ever went on to do much of anything she past parts. this. Yeah, she, she had a small career doing comedic things because she's pretty funny, but she's mm-hmm. such a unique humor because it's that yeah. weird awkward soft-spoken thing she reminds me a lot actually of um a weird way of shelly duvall i guess the comedic mm. version of shelly duvall that's what yeah. she reminds me of i saw her recently it, like she just popped up as a mom and i was like oh, oh really? it's a lady from airplane i think it might have been noel like that terrible oh, disney christmas movie or something or oh was you're it the ryan... completely right she's mrs kringle in noel yeah i think it's either that or was she the mom in the ryan reynolds uh movie that old one where he was a fat guy and he became a skinny guy is it just friends yeah she's in just friends as well as a mom too right mm-hmm. yeah and she's in she's also something in else. got fingered which uh is the only film so you take take uh, take notice of this dave is the only film i've ever stopped watching so <laughs> it's <laughs> that's the, your million dollar duck yeah you you stop it You've done it many times. I've done it once and it was for Freddie Got Fingered. Wouldn't be the first time you lost interested while getting fingered. Well, uh, so she's got a career. I mean, Robert mm-hmm. Hayes literally has nothing, I think. I think it says that he was on the 70s shows for for a second mm. or two. But you would think watching Ted Stryker in these two movies that he might have had a shot. I don't know if he did something in the background and got himself Maybe. Blacklist, he's pretty good as a deadpan. Like he could have been a Carrie Alloway's type sure, of, or, yeah. or Charlie Sheen. He, he could have been in Hot Shots. He would have been great in Hot Shots, but he just never made it back. And who knows how the casting works. The unfortunate part about all of this is that uh, this is a very difficult film to talk about because there's not much to talk about. No, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You can talk about it in relation to the first film, which it's, I, in my opinion, far worse. Yes. You can try and talk about it just as a comedy, which is like, I mean, it's fairly forgettable. Like, I, I wish funny. I could work it up to be like, oh, I hated this movie. But as you can tell, I'm grasping at trying to even remember yeah. what happened in this movie. So I've written some notes down. One is, did you notice that we now have our third Cheers character or oh, Cheers yeah, actor Norm. Uh, that no, shows up? Uh, Clint, George uh, Norm. Went. George yeah, Went. Yeah, Norm. Uh, Norm. He's uh, one of the people at the very beginning going through the bags. Yeah, good for him. Uh, so there's now the third Cheers actor that we've talked about <laughs> in 1982, which is kind of a weird thing that you kind of notice. Well, that's how they... Started building up their careers, oh, right? One of the jokes I think is actually very good, but it is, it is so niche that a modern audience would not even pick up on this. I don't think there's this moment where they where these characters they, these characters go into an elevator and there's elevator music uh, playing, the music, and then yeah. they run out like clutching their heads because of how bad it is, right? Yeah, and loud. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what the song is? It's playing. Oh no, I wasn't paying attention. I was clutching my ears as well. It's MacArthur Park. Do you remember the song MacArthur Park? No. 
Some people might remember it because Weird Al would parried it, parried it for Jurassic Park, the song Jurassic Park that he sings. But literally the, the lyrics are, someone left their cake out in the rain. Oh, nice. Uh, that's one of the lyrics. It, it's, a, it's a notoriously badly written song. <laughs> but I just thought it was funny. It was like the Muzak version of that song as they walk into it. I don't think elevators play Muzak anymore, but that was no, a don't. big thing. Yeah. yeah, in the 80s and the 90s, I think kids don't understand how annoying. It'd be like you walk in and Cardi B's latest single would be played by a, an organ. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, wait, I, why do I know this tune? Oh, gosh. I really need to hear what the Muzak version of Lizzo would be. There's also tangentially two game show references inside of mm. this movie, which is Pat Sajak shows up yep. as a newscaster, which I don't think he was the host of Wheel of Fortune yet. So this is him Might just like early. Yep. when he was a very comedian kind of guy working. Anyway, so Pat Sajak shows up, who is now still like for 30 something years, crazy. the host of we, we're yeah. Wheel of Fortune. But they do a Jeopardy joke on this too. This would have been also pre-Alec Trebek uh, when they make this Jeopardy joke, but I didn't realize Jeopardy was already on the air in 1982, yes. I guess. I had to look it up too, because I was like, hmm, this is a real thing. And it, yeah, apparently, I don't remember his name, but this host was yeah. running Jeopardy before Alex. Clearly not well, because nobody remembers who you are. <laughs> you joke. You well, this, so <laughs> this is, this part is going to be far more fascinating than the movie itself. So to go on a, on a bit of a tangent, do you know how Jeopardy, the show Jeopardy, was developed in the first place? No. Have you ever seen the Robert Redford movie Quiz Show? Yes. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, there was a big scandal in the 60s or 70s. There was a big scandal where it was revealed that there was these people on game shows cheating and producers knew about it. So producers were yep. feeding them the answers so that people that the audience kind of liked more would win and people who were legitimately trying to play the game would lose. Stack deck, baby. So the game show Jeopardy was in part developed based off of that, built off of that controversy because you had to know what the question was rather than what mm. the answer was. That's literally the whole basis of Jeopardy is that you need to know what the question is. And so you form your answers in the form of a question. I, as we mentioned, I haven't been doing the write-ups, but you know what I read about William Shatner talking about game shows? Apparently, he couldn't get work after Star Trek, so he mm -hmm. went on a bit of a game show, celebrity game show guest yep. stint. Kind of uh, the thing you did for aging stars back in the day, yep. And he did a $10,000 pyramid episode with Leonard Nimoy, Kirk oh, versus yeah. Spock, and he lost his guest 20 grand and he lost his mind, right? Really? Apparently, apparently he like throws a chair what? on air. Yeah, completely. He's like, you idiot. Like, he was like upset at himself. This is what I mean. I don't, he's not he's a guy not who's aware there. of political shit. Yeah, he's kind of a Okay, nut. I need, I'm sorry. We've never done this before. I need to watch this right now. <laughs> but here's the other thing that's really interesting. Apparently, because that happened on air, he lost the gig for Family Feud. He was supposed to be oh, the host, host of Family Feud. He would have been a pretty good Family Feud host. But apparently, that's when the producers are like, okay, we need to go a different way because we can't trust. That William Shatner won't oh my lose gosh. his mind. Oh my mic. god, that is so loud. Okay. <laughs> so this is Dick Clark hosting the $20,000 pyramid. He's wearing a very nice, like, light pink suit, at least according is to... It, are you going to watch the whole thing, isn't it? Like It's a minute. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, this must have been like a best of, because of the way he introduced that. He's trying to get him... Okay, they're in the final pyramid, if you know anything. Things that are blessed. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think he's being real about it. I think he's trying to make it funny, but he... Definitely threw a chair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and, wow. and Dick Clark is uh, trying to grab all the microphones and get him to leave. Okay, anyways, that is wild and bonkers. <laughs> so, so apparently, uh, yeah, he, he missed out on uh, Family Feud. Well, that's too bad. I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised they don't lean into the whole Star Trek thing even more. Because yeah. A, this was made by Paramount and they own the star trek rights you would they could do pretty much all they wanted to do so i I mean you would know better i suppose if we wanted to look at it like the release dates maybe star trek uh isn't out yet and they were no it would have been because this gets released uh mid-december is what this movie yeah yeah i don't know i I mean if they're gonna put an et joke and a rocky joke they could have put in maybe him dictating the star date or something i i I don't know what you would put in there but maybe william shatner was like fuck this thing's terrible anyway so just let me run with it what makes him fun yeah is that his hamness works with how these movies are supposed to Mm -hmm. uh, play so if he had been in airplane one our airplane exclamation mark i think that it would have worked really well uh because you know his halting madness makes you just stop and think like this guy has no idea what he's talking about and it's fun when he's dictating the controls and the airplane is crashing over it's it's funny that stuff is uh silly and funny yeah it's what made leslie nielsen so good in the first one right i mean his deadpan shit is hilarious exactly because he didn't think he was funny and they basically the whole premise of that first airplane movie is they hired all these dramatic Dramatic actors actors. it's like just be pretend you're in a drama just say it literally we're gonna give you the dumbest lines earnestly and it's gonna be funny and they were true it was right it's like (laughs) the the more serious listening nielsen goes in that movie the funnier it becomes it's like it's crazy what you're saying right now (laughs) i think it's crazy that you two are still doing this podcast this opened on december 10th 1982 it is currently rated 2.8 on letterboxd that's out of five six pretty high mm, Mm. <laughs> by the way i saw um, a new movie just came out called they slash them have you heard about this no so our old friend kevin bacon stars oh. in a movie it's a horror movie about gay about conversion trans people right oh yeah okay yeah. okay gay, yes. yeah but yes. trans people are inside of it. i think i read a headline about it yeah currently sitting at a 1.7 on letterboxd so, <laughs> so it it's good super good super super good <laughs> see now the worst part about this dave and you hate me when i say this I'm now filled with a morbid curiosity that I need to watch this movie to see how oh bad God. it can possibly be. Why do you hate yourself so much? Just go watch good movies. Experience, right? Dave. Experience. Okay, so it's <laughs> 6.1 on IMDb out of 10. It has a 48 on Metacritic. That's out of 100. And on Rotten Tomatoes, 42% from 19 critics, 50% from 50,000 plus users. It is available on DVD or Blu-ray. However, if you are jonesing for that Blu-ray copy, you can only buy it as part of the set with Airplane and this movie together. Mm. There's no way just to buy Airplane 2 on Blu-ray by itself, just so you know. Currently available to purchase or rent on iTunes and YouTube. Dave, did you look up how much this movie costs to make? Yeah. Was that like 9 million bucks or something? (laughs) No, 12? Dave, you are hilarious. It's $15 million. (laughs) It's Yes, Giorgio. It's Yes, Giorgio. If you recall, if you (laughs) recall, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan was made for $12 million. Incredible. How? How the fuck, Dave? (laughs) This movie costs more than Star Trek Uh, II, and it looks this bad then. They have a lot of different sets. Man. They put it in many locations. Maybe Robert Hayes and Julie Haggerty were just asking for demanding some that big sweet, bucks. Sweet money. You want us back? It's going to cost you five mil a piece. It would go on to make twenty-seven point two million dollars. So adjusted for inflation, that's eighty-three million dollars. 
Its plot description, a faulty computer causes a passenger space shuttle to head straight for the sun. Can Ted Stryker save the day and get the shuttle back on track? Again? I don't know what the again is because he's never been part of a space shuttle, but regardless. <laughs> Dave, now it is time. Everyone's favorite part of our show where I'm going to not be naked anymore. I'm going to don this fancy little blazer, get my big Disgusting. long Bob mm -hmm. Barker microphone, and we play a game called Guess, Guess that, that Tag. Then when you went to a movie theater, of course, you were greeted with a whole row of mm -hmm. posters, mm -hmm. advertising films, right? Yes. Maybe you're going out to the movies, you're going to watch Bullet Train starring Bradis, Bradis and Pitt. And oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, keep going. Yeah, Brad And, uh, you know, you see the... His, his face there with the train. You're like, oh, I want to see that movie. And you, you peer closer and you see in that little bit of road text. I'm like, well, now I have to go and see it with that remarkable tagline. That's how they get you. Yeah, everybody knows the taglines. So this movie also has a tagline. And you have okay. to guess which one is the real one. One of this is the real tagline that was made for this movie. And two others are completely made up by me. No cheating. Don't be a part of the document here, Dave. Oh, I never cheat. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, it's more fun is for it, me to be upset about this. Yeah. Is it? Unreal, unasked for, and completely unneeded. It's the sequel. Is it the disaster movie where you're expected to laugh? Or is it for the ride of your life, all you need for Christmas are your two front seats? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the third one, just because you told me this came out in December. Yeah, you're right. Stupid. It's too long. If you're going to do the pun, then you should just put on all you need for Christmas are your two front seats. I don't understand for the ride of your life being put on. I'm just looking at the poster, and the poster has Santa Claus on it. What? That's, yeah. The poster has Santa Claus. That's not what it is on Letterboxd if you go to see the poster, but. Oh, I'm on Wikipedia. Can we still, uh, do we still have to talk about this movie, or? or? It stars Robert Hayes as Ted Stryker, <laughs> Julie Haggerty as Elaine Dickinson, Lloyd Bridges as Steve McCroskey, Rip Torn as Bud Kruger, and William Shatner as Commander Buck Murdoch. I think we've talked about these actors already. Dave, I'm so excited to share this with you because the cinematography oh is by a man by the name of Joseph F. Byrock. Wow. It's a name. If you don't know, his other credits include The Towering Inferno from 1974, Ooh. a movie we've talked about on this show during our 1971 season, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, which actually holds okay. tracks a little bit. When I think yep. this also is kind of like a made-for-TV movie. Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte from 1964. And this is when I want you to grab a hold of your butt, Dave. Oh, it's, I'm always holding my butt. He was the cinematographer for It's a Wonderful Life in 1946. How old is this guy? <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, what? How long has this been working for? He had to have been in his 70s. Oh, my God. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> That is right. So the same person who shot Amazing. It's a Wonderful Life also did Airplane 2. He just sequel. couldn't handle the color. You know, as soon as the film went color stock, he's just like, I, don't, I just don't know what I'm doing anymore. Movies from movies when they were black and white. He's still chopping on <laughs> a cigar. I miss Jimmy. This is written and directed by a man named Ken Finkelman. However, there was mm -hmm. uncredited, like, I know, jokes written by Al Jean and Mike Reese, who would go on to write for The Simpsons. That's how I actually know them. Wow. Just uh, so you know. So if no, you're not aware, if you're yeah. not aware, the first airplane movie is a bit of a weird production because basically 90% of that script is completely unchanged from a 1957 movie called Zero Hour. Did you know about this? No. If you've read any like behind the scenes, this is 
pretty common knowledge. Like all they did is they saw this movie called Zero Hour, Zero Hour late at night, and they're like, I think this would make a cool like comedy script. They literally just took that script, shot it, added in jokes in between. <laughs> Sorry, Zero Hour is not a comedy. It's, it's not a, a comedy. It's a disaster film. Okay. Um, someone I know has watched the movie, and they said it is weird if you if you come to airplane first and then go and see that movie because like they say the line, but it's, then they don't do the punchline. It's because it's like you know what the setup is supposed to be. Okay. Okay. But characters are the same. Dialogue is mostly the same. It's just stuff with the one-liners, sight gags, and also not being subtle that's mocking an airport uh, film at the same time. So that film was so much more successful than I realized. So the first airplane movie was made for three and a half million dollars and would make a hundred and thirty million dollars in 1980. It's worth it. It makes sense. It's a good movie. In a way, I get why they would want to make a sequel to it. <laughs> like sure. that, that, that makes sense why you would want to make a sequel. However, writers and producer, the, the writers and producers were these three men by the name of Jerry Zucker, Jim Abrahams, and David Zucker. No relation? Is that why they separate? I, I think it's just because they want to be called, they actually go by Zaz. <laughs> I yeah. think that's the only reason. I actually don't know. Right. I think they are brothers. I'm pretty sure Jerry and David are brothers. They founded this theater group called Kentucky Fried Theater in the early 70s and would eventually go on to make this movie called Kentucky Fried Movie in the late 70s. Apparently KFC doesn't mean Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore. Oh yeah, they, this are called KFC. Yeah. Isn't that weird? There's another company that did the same thing and I'm blanking on who it is. They were unhappy how that movie turned out uh, because they didn't get to direct it. So for their next project, they decided they needed to also be the directors and that Paramount Michael Eisner agreed with them. So that's how they were allowed to make Airplane. Um, after the success of that movie, they go back to tele or sorry, they go to television. And as we kind of put called out here, start Police Squad, starring Leslie Nielsen. That in itself becomes like a this cult classic TV show because nobody watched that TV show. Uh, and that would eventually be spun out to be their own set of films called the Naked Gun movies. Which, by the way, first movie. Ricardo Montalban is the is the villain in it. Oh yeah, that's right. So, yeah, nice he's in a wheelchair synergy. already, right? I think. No, no, he's not. He walks around in that movie because of all the money that this original movie had made. They find themselves in kind of a similar situation they found with Greece, also by Paramount. Interesting. Right. Interesting. The original Greece had made so much money that Paramount wanted to make a sequel. And if you go back to listen to our Greece two episode, we kind of go into the background of how that all kind of shakes out. But basically, they're in these two similar situations, these two hugely profitable movies that they need to make or want to make a sequel out of to do the cash grab. So why not save some money and just hire the same person to do both of them? Well, that's exactly what they do, because they get hmm. good old Ken Finkelman, who writes Grease 2, oh, writes this movie and directs this movie. And then there is a weird synergy here, because like even in Grease 2, none of the original people come back in this one. None of the original people come back, although the two main actors do. So at least it has that. Well, some of the actors come back. Yeah. yeah. Actually, but a large part of the cast is present in this film. None of the creative people, I should say, comes no. back. You may recall from our Grease 2 episode that we called out how Finkelman is Canadian and would go on yes. to create the CBC show The Newsroom which is fairly well regarded. Uh, he was also a DJ partner with Rick Moranis in Toronto, uh, and they would both do comedy bits on the radio and on television. Uh, but basically because of the reactions to these two Paramount productions he was a part of, he basically Never uh, went, directed a film yeah, went back to Canada and created his own stuff. He was like, he yeah. had such a bad experience with working with Hollywood. He's like, no, never again. Or maybe Hollywood had a bad experience working with you, Ken, because his movies are both shit. I, so here's my thing. Well... <laughs> I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Don't you feel in a way 
that he was set up to fail. Like, really, at the end of the day, you're, what, you're like giving intentionally? him... I don't know. Using Grease as the example, is like, here's Grease 2. You have to write this sequel to a movie where none of the people are coming back for it. How do you make that good? Like, you're kind of, your hands are tied. This one, I will say he has much more of a, a hand, and I think of maybe not making it work, because at least you get, were given most of the original cast back. Well, this is the thing. Uh, I mean, I don't know. We're You and I are trying a project to write something, and it's, it's like I, I never would characterize writing as easy, particularly in comedy. Yeah. It's probably why so much comedy starts off as a rehash, because it's very difficult to imagine <clears throat> writing a joke out of thin air. It's just not how communication works. But, you know... If someone says, What's the deal with airplane food? Ah, blah, 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 blah. This is a great setup. Let me write this down. Take my Wi Fi, please. It's like, uh, Kyle, Mr. Marshall, we're going to make a third airplane movie. Okay, do you think it's the producers that are like, it must be on a plane and it must star uh, what's his face? Mm-hmm. Or is it the Ken who's like, well, it's called airplane, but we can't do another airplane. Let's put it on a spaceship. You know, why, why not a boat? Why not just do a full inversion of the subversion of thing. Like, why does Grease 2 have to have what's her name as the ant or something? Why can't we just change it completely? What, where's the, you know, what are we afraid of? And I don't know if that's the production company. I don't know if it's the director, but the more we do this, I'm going to tend to point the finger at the director because I do feel Which like- Which is Ken. Yeah, I feel like there are other personalities that can do more with this material. Also, because he's a white male, he probably would have got another shot, unlike- women directors that we've learned directed Greece too and uh yeah they're trying to struggle yeah Yeah. and their their careers are over right Mm -hmm. so i I don't know i just i think it's him frankly you know i haven't seen the newsroom but i suspect uh, i wouldn't like it well it's actually a very serious thing with some jokes inside of it but regardless i i remember being on the cbc growing up and i had no interest in watching it because i was a kid and why do i want to watch something about a newsroom (laughs) that's basically what it was at the time are there any jokes that stand out to you i I, what i found interesting watching both of the airplane movies back to back like the first one again 1980 believe that would have been the election year of ronald reagan and they make good fun of him there this is what he would already been president and they make fun of him there so it's fun that there is that uh I don't know, pushback for Ronald Reagan. But it's not political. But it's not political. <laughs> Funny. I don't know. I, you know, I think I think the well is poisoned because I just watch Airplane. You know, if I just watch this cold with some of the same gags, like, you know, saying shh to open a door, would that have landed better? Right. You know, doing the over or under bit would have remained fresher in my mind. I don't know. I mean, the puns still technically work. I think the timing's off. You know, when... The first film, they do the um, the entry announcements se- uh, sequence. It's much longer, mm-hmm. but they set up these jokes to develop over time. So, like the the PA announcement, them having their little couple battle about different zones of parking. Mm-hmm. Ted Striker showing up with a guy in the cab. Those things are just allowed to breathe a little bit more. This thing in the first five minutes, they try to throw twenty different shit puns and gags at you, right. and there's just nothing. I I I felt rushed by it, so I don't actually even remember. If any of the jokes were funny on their own. Like, I didn't even get the x-ray with the bare breast thing. That was such a weirdly built gag. You know, like this machine that it only shows women with their tops off. Yes. But like the uh, terrorists are allowed to walk on with their weapons. Because they're men and they're ogling them. Yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, but is it funny? Like, I get why they did it, but is it funny? (laughs) Right? Maybe it's still funny is the better question. Yeah. Yes. So that stuff like that is kind of, I mean, we joked about this a little bit with just the 80s and the idea of what women are in films for, but even so, it's just like, it just comes out of nowhere. I think that 
that required a setup somehow. I don't know what it is because we're not comedy writers, but I feel like it needed one more move before it so that when we get to the point the security guard only wants to look at the women's, like maybe they need a dial, right? Like a dial where they can look at weapons, but he prefers to look at boobs. I don't know. You know, we just, I needed something, one little piece in each of the jokes. And that's, that's the thing. Like even when we talked about Leslie Nielsen, I think what makes him so funny is when they call for the doctor, his first lines aren't meant to be funny. We set him up as an actual doctor. He mm -hmm. just gets dumber and dumber because he can't break out and be a human being in those environments. He's like an automaton. Mm -hmm. They don't give the characters that much to do with this. And then they rely on us remembering who Ted Stryker is and doing all these rehashes. Even their psychiatrist taking over for Leslie Nielsen's character, the jokes are the same. I just Which is the uh the um, guy the guy from Animal House, the uh the yeah, dean the from Animal dean. House. So I don't know. I mean I know it's two weeks ago, but was there a joke? that you remember well this is a terrible thing i don't but the, the, because i'm so familiar with the first airplane movie those are the ones that keep coming back to yes. me because i can remember yes. all like the different gags but i've seen it so many times this one this is the only this is only the second time in my life that i've actually ah. sat down and watched airplane 2 so there's a few things like again i think i remember remembering some of like the sight gags in the background you have sunny bono who's in this movie which i had to be reminded that was actually sunny bono to be perfectly frank but i'm sure people of 1982 would know that oh that's who that is was married to share but uh you know you have like the rocky 38 poster in the background like really old Sylvester Stallone I think it's just an old man you have like the slapstick of people falling on themselves or falling over themselves I really did like maybe it's my this says more about me than I care to admit I really love that scene at the very beginning where they're getting off and they're like oh my god like they're seeing their loved ones and they just push the old woman out of the way on their oh, way like to the two grandmas yeah. <laughs> yeah like that kind of stuff I just get a lot of uh joy out of because of how absurd it is yeah. but I don't know if there's any setup and punchlines i was like oh that's a really clever wealth of joke that wasn't just what the first movie did already maybe that's maybe that's the problem I and mean, i'm not gonna go back and do a deep analysis so i'm sure we'll catch some flack but i feel like maybe they forgot to set up and this is just a movie of punchlines mm -hmm. you know there's a presumption that we'll get the joke and we're not given we're not fed the line to lead into it you know so like slapstick stuff like the little girl pushing the wrong grandma out of the way yeah. it's still funny because we see uh, probably a stunt man in a grandma costume mm -hmm, mm -hmm. doing like a backflip and landing on their their ass but you know could that have been a bigger joke probably well I, th I think that's what we're keying in on here honestly is that this really required there to be an actual plot like even in the first one as tenuous as it is because it's really just there to hang jokes on top of and again they had the luxury of it basically just being a movie already that they're throwing jokes inside of but there is a beginning, middle, and end, right? There's yes. we understand that Ted Stryker is afraid of flying. He's now the only person that can save them. People are being sick because of something that they ate, and he has to land the plane through the people they're talking yeah, to him. Plot. There is yeah. a plot there. It's so thin. It's not that thin. It's a it's a it's a no, I'm saying this movie has a thin plot. Oh, like it's just this movie doesn't have so inconsistent. like like what like what is it? They're flying to somewhere, get directed to the sun instead, and we have to veer off to the moon, I guess. But it's I like guess. I guess there's a so what to that. Like, okay, that is what the plot is, but but <laughs> who are these people? Why are they here again? What are they trying to do? When it's just gag after gag after gag, you still need there to be some semblance of like, we're going towards something. We're, we're getting setups and payoffs within the story structure itself. So I wonder if there would have, could have been a way. Again, this is me uh, rewriting a movie that's 40 years old. Was there a movie that maybe Paramount had 
that mm-hmm. they could have just done the same thing they did with Zero Hour. Find another 50s movie that is set in whatever well, film location and then hang your hat on all those jokes. I think that's why I was thinking about a boat, not just because it's not a plane, but uh, Criterion's been telling me to watch Poseidon Adventures so much. Right, right, and right. I, I just feel like I agree with you. I The first one definitely had a plot and this one is a mess because um, it's presumptuous. Like, you know, one of the jokes is when he escapes the asylum, the singer for Love Boat's just standing there in front of a brick wall. Like, why, why is that funny? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I know Love yeah. Boat's a big thing, but does he sing in front of stuff? Like, do mm-hmm. we even know who the singer is? I, I, I remember that show there, being there, more There must about- be a big love of TV because there's like four or five references to current TV shows at the time that they make references to in this yeah, movie. Yeah, Fantasy Island. And yeah, the, and some uh, of them I had to actually look up. I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about who is this person but i mean that says more again about me than, than no, anything else i think it says something about the crappy writing is that even when it's trying to be self-referential it's like it's not the setup it's no, the setup. It, it, what it's actually reminds me there's a very current example out there and I, i'm gonna get pushed back because there's a lot of people who really like this movie i've already talked about bullet train have you seen bullet train are you ever gonna watch bullet train which one's Bullet Train? What the is one it? with uh, Brad Pitt that's in movie theaters now. Oh, of now. course I haven't seen it. I don't get to go to <laughs> I know, the theater. I'm yeah. Will I watch it? Sure, maybe. Streaming? Are you okay if I spoil one thing from it? Yeah, fine. It doesn't look like a movie that will spoil. Okay. There <laughs> is... a movie where people punch each other. For the whole setup is that Brad Pitt has been put on to this train because the assassin who's supposed to go on has called out sick. So they reference this guy multiple times throughout the movie. I'm not supposed to be here. It's supposed to be this other guy. We get to a moment where it's revealed who the other guy guy is. is. And all it is, is literally, they zoom in and Ryan Reynolds turns around and then we go back to the train. He never says anything, but that's the joke. It's like, it's Ryan Reynolds. But I had the same reaction to that as your love boat thing. It's like, but why is that funny? Yeah. (laughs) Why why is it just showing Ryan? He doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. It's just the fact that he's Ryan Reynolds. In 40 years from now, if someone turns on Bullet Train, they're going to be like, who the fuck is this person? (laughs) Like, why do I care? That's the single funniest thing I've ever heard of. That joke would work if it's supposed to be a joke. That joke would work if Hugh Jackman was starring in this film because they have a long history of beef, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, supposed beef. That might be funny. Right. But mm-hmm. because then at least if you Google it, you could see a wealth of YouTube videos of them making fun of each other. But this thing, I mean, nobody, I mean, it's not just that nobody gives a shit about the love boat, but from what I remember of what the love boat is about, which is, I think, just rich people having sex and comedy on a cruise ship. I don't think it's even sex. It's just a, it's just an excuse to have a bunch of people come onto a boat and have like, whatever, comedy ensues. Right? Yeah. The idea of having a lounge singer. In front of a brick wall in an asylum, mm-hmm. singing the theme song is so rando, man. I I just I couldn't understand why that it just needed a setup. Like all the jokes need a setup, and they weren't smart enough to put one in there. And uh, it was a mess. I we're talking about this too long. It's been an hour and sixty minutes. We gotta let it go. We're done here. The machine has told us that we have to wrap this up. So let's get into critics' choice. This is the part where we talk about what the critics thought at the time this movie was released. Uh, Roger Ebert did write a review on this. He gave it two out of four stars. Um, and he high. writes, in part, Airplane 2 never really seems to know whether it's about a spaceship. It's all sight gags, one-liners, puns, funny signs, and scatological cross-references. There's no story. I'm not saying a movie this silly needs to have a story, but it wouldn't have hurt. And yet, if Airplane 2 
ever turns up on a double bill with a movie you actually want to see, I suggest staying in the theater for the first 10 minutes. The gags involving the metal detectors, the check-in counter, and the passenger's unloading zone are really funny. Maybe the makers of Airplane 2 exhausted their powers of comic invention at that point. Comedy is fairly hard work. That's what that's how it can I, can I make one observation? Woke culture observation, Roger Ebert? The first five, six minutes, all the jokes are uh, making fun of women jokes. Mm -hmm. Should I fake an orgasm? Can I look at my breasts? Do you, you know, all of this There's stuff. Also there. There's also a, a few uh, homophobic joke. jokes too in the first yes. few minutes too. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I think that says more about Roger Ebert than the writers, frankly, but um, well, yeah. I, I mean, again, there's you're going to get mad at me because I'm probably going to be aligned pretty much with him, which is I think there's isolated moments and this movie is boring and forgettable, but it's not a movie yeah, that I absolutely hate and loathe. Like that's basically- I'll say <laughs> it's better than Grease 2, yeah. I think, yeah. except for Michelle Pfeiffer. As a movie, I think it is, yeah. yeah. And it's not, yes, Giorgio, like it's not the worst thing we watch. No. I just, I was rolling my eyes the whole time. I was just well, annoyed. Here's the reverse of that. Pauline Kael did not review this movie. So I went to Letterboxd and there's no good reviews that people left for, the, for this movie. <laughs> Like it just mean not well written. Like there's just not good. So I was gonna, I was gonna put my own in there. Like that's a little wow. bit pretentious. So wow. Uh, but you have quoted yourself before. No, Dylan Davis, user Dylan Davis gave this four stars. Wow. He writes sarcastically. Yet another movie that gets no respect. From the black Bible swearing to the shat-tastic casting, this absurdly slapstick comedy has a huge drop every five minutes and about a joke every minute, be it visual or verbal. Lynn Stylemaster did it upright and deserves a lot of credit for how most of this lands. Raymond Burr, Pat Sajak, etc. Give this another go. It's completely worth it. One person liked that review. <laughs> I forgot Perry Mason's in this movie. Yeah, he but, is for like uh, as the judge, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, they even do the they bring the same actress to do the bit where people are shaking her to try her, to right. wake her up, and then they do it again in the court. Like it's just I know it's just too much, right? They they they, they really nice. show you the the better joke first, yeah. and then they do yeah. it a worse way, like right after. This is like the the um all, dead men wear plaid thing, right? Where they show you like a good version of it, and then they flash back to a bad, worse version of it. And I'm like, wait. Stop. You can't like, do that. Yeah. I just show me the first movie. I wonder if anyone would ever just do that, which is like, this is the sequel, but it's just the original movie. Literally. We're just giving you the original movie again. That's it. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's anything. more like a, a theater gag. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you buy a ticket for this film and then you get to watch the first one when you're happy or the inverse and you just uh, start a fire, throw a chair on national television. I'll be shat-tastic on TV. I take pills to prevent that. Um, all right, well, we do need to rate this film, but before we do, that is what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. We also release videos onto our YouTube channel, so you can check us out there. If you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our Letterboxd page. That's letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. And if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month. Something that you can do for absolutely free is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So let's get to rating this movie. Dave, out of five, what are you going to give Airplane 2, the sequel? I don't know. It's such an uh, so like uh, <laughs> but... So whatever it's not movie. the worst thing. Yeah, it's not the worst thing. I think Kyle's whatever 2.5 is too high. <laughs> um, but I think obviously a one is too low. I do like Shatner in this. He boys the ending, got me through the end. 
And I actually like Robert Hayes and Julie Haggerty mm -hmm. by their character, not by the writing. So I think I might, oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to give it a two. I should yeah. give it a 1.5, but I'm going to give it a two. Um, Getting soft in your old age here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, Kyle. I feel like a 1.5 is better, but I feel like we've watched a worse movie and gave it a 1.5. So I'm just trying to <laughs> yeah, not be a hater, just bored. So that averages, um, no, I didn't even tell you no, my rating yet. You, you, you called me. You read me my rights here, Dave. I am giving this a 2.5. It's right in the middle. Completely forgettable. I would not recommend this movie, especially when I give the original airplane a five, a five. out of five. So Five out of five. Absolutely. This is so going doesn't to that push this down a whole number? If we're doing comparatively. So that averages out to 2.25, <laughs> although we'll have to rate that down to a two when it goes up on the letterbox. Dave, is this better or worse than Starstruck? Oh, uh, worse. I mean, uh, I don't know. Better? That's a tough one. Starstruck, which one's Starstruck? Starstruck the is Australian the Australian wave musical, musical, right? Oh, I really didn't like that one. I think this is slightly better okay. probably than Starstruck. Okay, fine, fine. It's got more polish, Yeah, which is not uh, that director's fault. Going low budget in Australia, but okay. However, is yes. this better or worse than Diner? Worse than Diner. Yeah. We did not like Diner, even though a lot of people do, but... Diner like Diner it. at least had some thought underneath it, whether mm -hmm. it's executed well or whether we agreed with its principles. Uh, Get a very young Mickey Rourke in it, though. Yeah. You kind of heard it right there. This is going to enter our list at the new number 23 position, right underneath a Diner, right above Starstruck. So... Which probably, oh, I, one last thing I was going to ask, which I forgot to ask. They seem to be doing this a lot recently, which is doing what they now call Lega sequels, which is like a sequel after like many, many years. Okay. Right? We just saw Maverick, for instance. It's, it was okay, like almost 30 okay. years and they did a sequel. Oh my God. There's another example. Oh, Halloween. Halloween with Jimmy Lee Curtis. After many, many years, they do a sequel to Halloween. Do you think you would ever want to see if they brought back the original production no. team? No. A, a, yeah, a no. legacy sequel of Airplane. No. <laughs> no. No. Airplane 3, the re-sequel? Uh, no. No. I mean, I don't know. Airplane 2.5, the better sequel? Are there still funny people out there, Kyle? Our world has become so depressing. No, no, no. You like, have who? the same people. You get all the same actors back. Without Leslie Nielsen, know. of course. But uh, Julie Haggerty could probably pull it off, judging by what I've seen. Like, she's the same character uh, as a grandma or something. Get Emma but Stone or someone to come in and be a new character. It'd be funny if Jeff Bridges comes in as Lloyd Bridges, yes. right? But, I mean, he can do comedy too. He's mm -hmm. great. I just, I don't know. I feel like it needs writing. And I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, if you look at our generation's greatest comedians, they're so past, like, J is Jim Carrey and Will Ferrell still funny? I, right. I, I don't know anymore, right? It's, it's tough. And then all these new guys, you know, I, I know I hate on it too much, but if they put Pete Davidson in this movie, I'll set on fire, right? <laughs> Why the fuck is that person famous? But at the same time, that's the world we live in. I mean, is, who's funny? I don't know, Kyle, who's funny? Ryan Chank's funny, but- uh, Well, no, they, they would probably put Chiding Tatum and Jonah Hill or something in it, like- I think they're, they're too big for a movie like that, but right. I don't know. Chang Tang was good. I watched uh, Lost City. Yeah, I like Lost that? City. Yeah. He's great. Sorry, it was like, is that the Dora movie? He's way better uh, when he leans into his comedy side, honestly. I think he's, he's way better at it. fucking hilarious. Yeah, he plays dumb so well. No, it's the hilarious thing, though, is that the weird thing with Channing Tatum is you can always tell he's a trained dancer because when he does like a oh, pratfall, yeah. he like does it so beautifully. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're moving your your body like a dancer would if they were to fall. Well, you know, you can just turn your thirst tap off. Well, I'm just saying. Cow. We can finish. We can finish the episode. Oh, I mean, I didn't bring it up, but uh, it's fine. <laughs> we could talk about his body for another 20 minutes. I mean, he's, you know, he looks good. 
mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But uh. <laughs> all right. Well, let's find out what we're watching here next week, Dave. I'm going to push this button. Oh, we're going to get back into Mr. Eastwood, Dave. We're going to watch. I don't think a film that many people know about, let alone talk about. We're going to watch Firefox. Firefox. Didn't Angelina Jolie make a movie called Firefox? Fi- yes. Didn't she? <laughs> Did she? I don't know. Maybe. She, she made... Like her first film. Not Gia. Hackers? Oh. Is that what you're thinking No. Of? Hackers, she had already made a film before. Hold on. I'll look it up later. I, I swear she made a movie called Firefox. I'm going to look it up before we turn Oh, no, no. Off. You're thinking of her... Um, little talked about early '90s film called Mozilla. Mozilla, Foxfire. Sorry, oh, Foxfire. Foxfire. Yeah. I don't know what that movie is. Um, but we're not talking about it. We're going to be talking about Firefox and some more uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood stuff next week. And uh, I guess Dave, hold out your thumb. We have to get picked up by this big truck. Hold oh your wow! Thumb. Well, or uh, should I show I... my gams? You think my gams will make this truck stop? <laughs> I think it's crazy that you two are still doing this podcast.